I'm Kate Daniels. Jane Healy is here with us to provide some insights into the story of her new work of historical fiction, Good Night from Paris. The book introduces us to Drew Layton, an American actress of that era who lived in Paris during the war years. Here is inspiration about courageous women boldly speaking out about life, about the value, and doing the right thing. Let's meet Jane to learn more. Jane Healy, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I'm really happy, excited that you're with us, too, because this is such an amazing, important, interesting, fascinating book, Good Night from Paris. And how long did you spend actually writing the book, Jane? Uh, You know, it was between the research and the writing of it, I would have to say it's probably a little over a year. Um, You know, I I, I try to do a good bulk of the research up front, but of course, with historical fiction, you're kind of always researching along the way, too. Um, And yeah, so it took me a little over a year, probably. So that is what you've packed in here with the result of, uh, of just working on it essentially a year, is is amazing, uh, to say the least. What was it that drew you to this particular story of Drew Layton? Yes, thank you. And thank you for all the kind words about it. That's so, so nice of you, especially during this launch week. Um, so what drew me to Drew Layton? I, it, actually, it was really interesting. I was it, researching my last book, The Secret Stealers, which came out a couple of years ago, and it was based on... Um, the, uh, the women of the Office of Strategic Services, the precursor to the CIA in World War II. And so, I, you know, I, I was going through all these sources, and I came across this story that just stopped me in my tracks. It was right after Pearl Harbor, um, the Germans rounded up a number of American expatriate women who were living in and around Paris. And they, they rounded them up, arrested them, put them on a bus, and then imprisoned them in a zoo outside Paris. And I was just stunned by the story, never heard of it. And one of the women in that prison was this American actress from the 1930s. Her name was Drew Layton, and um, she left Hollywood behind to marry Jacques Tapier, the love of her life. And, um, and decide, even though she could have left, he went off to war in 1939, and she could have left and been safe in America. Um, she loved Jacques so much, and she loved her adopted co- country. She chose to stay. And... Her story from the zoo and, and and on from there is just stranger than fiction in every way, and I just knew I had to try to write it. And I'm grateful. I think we all will be grateful as we read this book, Good Night from Paris, as to your capturing that enthusiasm and sharing more of the story. Yes, it is historical fiction, but you really aim to stay as close to the facts that you can find as is humanly possible. I did, particularly because this is a this is a change for me. This is biographical fiction. Drew Layton was a woman who existed in history, and I wanted to really honor her story and stay as close to her story as I could. Now, of course, you know, in the end, it's a novel. It's inspired by the life of Drew Layton. It's not Drew Layton herself, but... Um, but I wanted to to stick to the facts and and stick to her story because really, like I said, it was it, it, the events of her life during the war are really phenomenally interesting, and there I didn't need to embellish too much when it came to some of the things that she endured and went through and her, her bravery 
and her feistiness. Oh, exactly. All of that is just so encouraging and captivating and I think really inspires us, I hope, to, to some degree to have some semblance of that courage ourselves in our lives. Yes, thank you. And I, I think, you know, it wasn't, it was, it, it wasn't planned. I don't, I don't get to pick the publishing um, date or week or month, um, <laughs> but it, I'm really thrilled that it came out during Women's History Month. And dr- this week during, you know, International Women's Day was um, on, on Wednesday on the 8th. So that was, that's great, too. Absolutely. And, and to know that this exists, really existed to feel the passion that went on and and as i was reading this and feeling what was going on and and as things escalated but still the feeling like this can't happen this can't go on forever but when we're at this perspective of it being history and and knowing what the future holds uh, what a, what a tension and it's really gut wrenching Oh, thank you. Thank you. You're so you're so wonderful. I mean, you're making my day with all these kind words. Thank you. Yeah, it was it was really uh, it was really an extraordinary time. I mean, she started out when Jacques left for the war. She started out actually um, didn't know what she wanted to do. What was not getting any movie roles in Paris, and um, be- became essentially the first Voice of America on the continent of Europe, broadcasting to the U.S. what was really going on in Europe at the time, and. She became so good at it that the Germans um, decided that when they occupied the country, they, they said she would be executed. So, like from from the start of the of, of France's involvement in the war, she was always constantly had to watch her back. And um, but she, but even despite that, she was incredibly brave and took risks and you know fought for her adopted country, which was remarkable. Without question, and that's where. It really is inspiring when we know that people like this existed, do exist. It helps us to think about situations we might get into and to just just kind of grit our teeth and, and move forward because it is the right thing to do. Right. And, you know, it's, I, it's funny. I, you know, I've been talking about the book, obviously, this week. And, I, you know, I get the question, like, would you have been as brave? Would you be able to do that? And, and you, you know, you'd like to think you would be, but who knows? Um, I think that a lot of women like Drew um, felt that there was no other choice because, they, you know, they were fighting for their country and their lives and the people they loved. And, and so they just had to, you know, persevere and take, take these risks and be brave even when they didn't want to be. And that is a tough question. You know, philosophically, we would want to say yes, but you, you just never know in the circumstances what really happens. I mean, thinking that there's a, a, a target on your back uh, would yes. really be reason enough. Like, let's just, you know, go hide in a cave for, for a while. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly. Right? Self-preservation. Yes. But, um, but yeah, a lot of these women... Or were just and Drew especially were incredibly brave, and I do think that it's important to share these stories because, uh, sadly, we see circumstances continually repeat themselves. You know, even thinking very specifically about the war with Ukraine and and how yeah. brave the people are there and and what needs to be done and and all of that in itself is mind-boggling and it's gone on for over a year now. Uh, yeah, so you know and it's it's interesting some of the parallels of, you know, um what was happening in France 
during the, t- the time the book takes place, starting in like 1938, Yes, that that really actually kind of boggled my mind. Like, really? Honestly, you yes. can't put these Unbelievable. two. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and it, and it boggled her mind too. And and one of the things she noted in her, she wrote a small autobiography right after the war, and she she said, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, in hindsight, we think the Germans were so well organized and they had eyes everywhere in occupied territories. But they were not as organized as as they seemed. You know, they were they they did not have eyes everywhere, and and so so she was able to kind of fly under the radar. Thank goodness. Absolutely, uh, yes, and uh, and I guess the thing is, you you don't. She doesn't know that, but she just keeps going forward. And again, I think that kind of models for us is. We, we can't be concerned about exactly who they might be and what they might be thinking, but to really be so committed to our own beliefs and what is of uh, absolute value in our society and move forward that way. Yes, I agree. I, and I, I think like, I think this book is a message of, of perseverance and, and, and my so kind of the themes running through my novels are, you know, when ordinary women who choose to do extraordinary things um, and, you know, who change their minds and as a result change their lives and the trajectory of their lives. And um, and Drew is certainly a, a perfect example of, of that. Right. And and we can see that where she really had the option of choosing safety. She could have come back to the U.S. and gone back into films. She was in the Charlie Chan mysteries. She could have done that. And yet something within her, you know, that, that just that 
uh, desire to do the right thing. She knew she had to stay. Her husband was there for one thing, uh, even though he wasn't physically present because he was away at war. But that kind of belief, that integrity, really is so critical for us to see and, and embrace ourselves. Absolutely, yes. And, I, I, you know, I, I got the question this week, too, like, why did she stay? And I, I think it was, um, you know, she loved Jacques. She, I think it was the love of her life. And she loved her adopted country. And, and she couldn't imagine being far away from Jacques and, and France, which, which had become her home, you know. And, and so she, she made it work. And, um, and she ended up, you know, fighting for her country in, in ways large and small. Absolutely. Yeah, these are really uh, the big questions of our life is the choices we make and and what it's going to mean. You know, it takes us on a trajectory and that's where our life path takes us. But when we think of the choice she made and what we learn from that about, you know, making the not so popular what would look like not the popular option, not the the real safe option, really makes a world of difference. The lives she actually saved because of that. Yes, yes, and that uh, you know that's another part of this of her unbelievable story. She after she was imprisoned by the Germans, she they sent her to a camp in in, in the mountains with another with all the other American and British women. Another facet of um, the world of World War II history that I did not know about, uh, and she faked cancer to, to get out of to get out of that prison, to get out of that internment camp. It, it was in Vittel, France, in the mountains. Um, and when, after that, she was in pretty rough shape because she had taken drugs to fake cancer and get her, and she got made herself very sick. Um, but you know, then she she was kind of convalescing in the in the countryside in, in a village called Barbizon, and um, Allied flyers started getting you know shot out of the sky or, or parachuting into the country. And her villager, her friends in the village knew she spoke for American, American, knew she spoke English and, um, and came to her and said, will you help? We can't, you know, will you help translate? Will you help us? You know, we have a, you know, an American in our apple tree. Can you help, help <laughs> translate for us and get him, you know, get him out of the country or find a, find him the underground network to get him out of occupied territory. And, and, and that's what she did, and she helped rescue, you know, um, several directly rescue several Allied flyers, and also assist in providing food and sh- and shelter and clothing for um, like over a hundred others in and around Paris. And so many, countless lives were really saved. Yes. Even if it were one person saved, uh, I'm sure would make a difference to her. But it was a lot more than that. It really was, yeah, really remarkable. So, Good Night from Paris, uh, just such a, a stunning novel. And this is her, uh, what is it, her closing line when she was able to do her radio broadcasts, which uh, unfortunately were short-lived, but still they existed. And uh, she found that, that her voice really could make a difference, could carry a, a lot of weight, and, and it was really critical. It was really critical, and it was interesting, too, because, you know, there you forget that in, in the early part of the war, before America was directly involved, America was, you know, still very traumatized and weary from World War One. So 
the politics in the United States was very isolationist. They did not want to have to get involved in another world war. But through Layton and, and some of the people she had on her show, like they they saw it coming. They knew that it was inevitable that America was getting get was going to have to get involved and they were trying to, you know, communicate what was really happening on the continent of Europe, why America needed to get involved, you know, how many people were suffering. Um, so that that was really fascinating to me too. And it was really interesting to me to kind of revisit that in, in a sense because, oh, um, recently we'd been listening to uh, an audio book about the events of of. Uh, early American history, like World War One to World War Two, And it was shocking to me that that was the case. I mean, I, I knew in general, you know, right, U.S. Right. did not yeah. want to get involved. Of course, that changed with Pearl Harbor. But then ha- the, tying this in, I mean, it brings another level of awareness and understanding that uh, it's teaching us some history that we have not known. It really is. Yeah, that early, those early years of the war before America was involved, I, I didn't know as much about the details of, of what was happening and the politics over here, the resistance to getting involved in another world war. Um, it, that was really, and, and, like, to dig deeper into that was really interesting to me. I also have to give a shout out because um, the audiobook narrator for Good Night from Paris is an Amer- American actress. Um, named Christina Klieb. She, but she speaks German and French, and she did such a beautiful job on the audiobook. I'm just so thrilled with it. So if you're an audiobook fan, um, I highly recommend her narration for this. Oh, wonderful. Either way, the book, you need to get a copy of the book. Read this. The story is just so captivating and and. Just, I can't say enough how utterly important. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. And and thinking about get, getting the books too, I, you seem to have a real heart for libraries. You have so many library appearances, I noticed on your website, that are lined up. I do. I love my librarians. I have to say, like, I, I've been, you know, I've been doing this for seven years and they have been with me from the start and Libraries are wonderful places, and they let me talk about my books. And you know, I, I go, I have events at different libraries, and they let me sell my books there. And yeah, so I'm, I'm a huge fan of libraries. And really, hand in hand with that is having book clubs. And I, I saw again on your web, website that you um, offer to appear, or I, I think connect with people potentially for a virtual uh, book club event. I do. I, I do. Um, I do virtual book clubs with, you know, all around the U.S. and Canada. Even we've done some in Canada. And I have a I have an office set up in the basement um, that's great for Zoom or FaceTime. Uh, and it's it's just so much fun. I mean, that I mean, I guess that's one silver lining of the pandemic is that everyone <laughs> everyone knows how to use Zoom now. Everyone knows how to, you know, do, do this kind of thing. And um, and all my information I'm pretty open book on my website, my emails there, everything for any book clubs around the country that want to schedule a virtual visit. I love doing that. And so that website is? JaneHealy.com. It's H-E-A-L-E-Y. JaneHealy.com is the website. Right. So just uh, an idea of uh, an important book to discuss with your book club and you know I can't even imagine you know what that might be the springboard for in various communities actually I I also wonder if any European book clubs would be interested in this specifically in France 
That would be wonderful. Uh, you know, I, I, I might even make a, a personal appearance in France if they wanted me to come <laughs> with my arm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hard twist. <Right? laughs> exactly. Well, t- to that uh, point, did you travel in France at all for this book? You know, I, I did. I traveled from the Secret Stealers to Paris, and I was hoping to go back to France for research for this novel, but because of the pandemic and schedules, it, it just, I wasn't able to do that because I, you know, I know Paris pretty well. I, I had wanted to go to the village of Barbizon where she st- lived. Um, she lives in a villa, it's translated as Villa Squirrel, and it's on a, um, a Main Street in Barbizon, and believe it or not, you can rent it out on Airbnb now, um, which is kind of amazing. Um, so I didn't go, but after, you know, this last September, um, my husband and I did a like part birthday, part research trip back to Paris. I knew the book was coming out, so I took some little videos of, of different places that Drew was um, and kind of explained like the American Embassy and one of the markets she used to go to and you know, things like that. So, um, so I'm hoping to share those that, you know, in the coming months. Wonderful. Whoa, that's really something to look forward to and have fun with. Thank you. Thank you. So really, with this book and along with the Beantown Girls and the Secret Stealers, with the focus on women, but also this connection with with war, are you working on something new that has a similar connection? Thank you for asking. You know, I am, but um, and I'm superstitious, so I'm not going to say too much. I am working. <laughs> I've just started working on something new. I think it's going to be kind of post-World War II, but not too far post-World War II is what I'm thinking. That's that's the only thing I can share right now. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, that at least, uh, you know, p- piques our appetite here. But again, if, if others are like me and have not read your previous two books, that can keep us entertained and, and informed in the meantime as we wait for uh, would be your fourth book. Yeah, oh, that will be my fifth book. My oh. first book was not World War II. It was uh, came out in 2017, and it was called the Saturday, it's called the Saturday Evening Girls Club, and it's based on a um, also based on a true story of a group of Italian and Jewish immigrant women in Boston's North End at the turn of the 20th century. Um, so that one was like I call it my love letter to Boston, but it's also about you know strong women, including um, Helen Starrow, who in Boston here we have Starrow Drive. She was from a prominent family and. She helps these immigrant women kind of build their lives and educate themselves. And um, yeah, so that's that was my baby book (laughs) in 2017. (laughs) And so it's good for us to know about that, because here again, we have a a strong woman and the support uh, reaching out to the immigrant community. Again, what could be a more relevant topic for us today? that's right. That's right. It, yeah. And it, you know, that, that history of that time. Um, and I, you know, I love Boston. I love Boston's North End. It's kind of like little Italy here, but at the time it was, I didn't realize in the early 1900s, it was very much like a mixed community of Jewish and Italian immigrants. And um, of course there's, you know, great cultural stories and great food. And, um, and it's about a group of four friends, two Jewish, two Italian women and, um, and, and how this club changes their lives. Wow, that does sound really intriguing and appealing. So let's look to find that one, too. Uh, again, if not in your favorite bookshop, then, of course, the the library is bound to have it as well. 
That's right. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. We want to promote both. You know, each each <laughs> each, right. each has its own special value, and uh, we want to support both. Absolutely. Right. So back to this wonderful new book, Freshly Out, Good Night from Paris. It, uh, in so many ways, it, it, it's a love story. It's a love story for Paris, and that really permeates strong and true. And I think that that is the case for so many people. I only was in Paris once, and that was because it was a stopover <laughs> on my oh. way. <laughs> so I haven't really explored Paris, but I hear other people talk about it as, you know, the, the place that they will return to, if not on an annual excursion, you know, like every few years for sure. Yes. Yeah. I, I You know, it's definitely captured my heart. Like it has many millions of people around the world. And, um, and my husband lived there for a year, so he speaks fluent French, which is very helpful because my language skills, I'm pretty good with English, but <laughs> beyond that, I'm not that good. So, um, so yes, we were, we were there in the fall and, you know, hoping to go back next year as well. But it is, it's a magical place. That's all I could say. And, and um, you know, it's really important for me to get the details of the city right. In some ways, Paris is like another character in the story because it looms so large. And so after the book was finished, I actually, I, you know, I might, I have really good copy editors and research people at my publisher, but I also hired a freelance native Parisian to kind of go through the book for language and for detail to make sure that I got everything right. Wow. That is so wonderful because it felt so real and authentic as I read. And I think that then gives us that layer of confidence like you know this isn't just made up stuff about this city this is this is for real trusted oh thank you yes yeah trusted and and yeah and and that because i know readers are really really smart and they will they will tell me like (laughs) wrong about a city or anything else so i i you know i found a wonderful editor um online a a parisian woman and she did a terrific job and, and called out some things that you know small but really important details that you want to get correct. Sure. Well, and that is another wonderful thing to learn about you is to your commitment to the detail, wanting to have the accuracy so that you are telling the best story you could possibly tell. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Thank you. I I, I work really hard at it and I hope that um, people, um, you know, people really embrace this story and, and, you know, love it as much as I loved writing it. I can't imagine not. It really is a gripping story. There's just so much to to that draws us in and keeps us compelled, turning those pages to to know what's going to happen, what's going what's going to be the next move. Even as I said earlier, we kind of we know what the what goes on. The war lasts for so many many too many years. But but still, what happens with these particular personalities? What do they do in the meantime? We don't know those sorts of things about World War II. So this gives us, as much as you possibly can, provides us with this really great insight. Thank you so much. You're so kind. Thank you for all the kind words. It's really wonderful to hear. You know, it's, it's wonderful to hear that you enjoyed it that much. I can't even tell you. <laughs> Well, I wouldn't say it if I didn't, but it it did. You know, I am. It just is very appealing, and I think we owe it to ourselves again because of what 
happens in history. If we don't learn from it, as is said, we're bound to repeat it. And certainly these are not the kinds of things, the horrors, we do not want to repeat. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it has been such fun and just so wonderful to speak with you, Jane Healy. I uh, really appreciate your work. We are looking forward to what may come up probably next year, right? In about a year? Oh, do you think? Hopefully, yeah. yeah about <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. I, think I haven't gotten I haven't gotten too much done this because it's lushy, but I, you know, I think the best thing sometimes with a new book out is is to work on the next one so that I'm not obsessing over this one <laughs> too much. <so. laughs> that a good philosophy. But before yes. we say adios, we should say no. I should say before we say au revoir. Right, au revoir. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Let's uh, share your website once again. Yes, it's janehealy.com, J-A-N-E-H-E-A-L-E-Y.com. And I have a newsletter, which I really share, like, virtual and in-person events that I'm doing or any news I have. And um, I'm also on Instagram, at HealyJane, and Twitter, at HealyJane, and, of course, Facebook. But Instagram is kind of my favorite of social media these days. Great. Good to know. Well, thank you so much for your talent and for your passion for storytelling and, of course, for taking time with us this morning. Oh, thank you for such a wonderful interview. It was it was fantastic and for all the kind words. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate your support. Um, and thank you for enjoying the story. Oh, you're welcome. You did the work. <laughs> <laughs> and as I said, we look forward to the next one. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. And you as well.